Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming out today. Hey, I got to say this off the get-go. I told the 9 a.m. this. So it's sunny outside. No one's allowed to say it's too hot outside, okay? We're the worst in Washington. The sun comes out, it's too hot. This is what God did. I'm, I don't know if he did or not, but we complained last summer because it was too hot. And what happened? We got the longest spring and worst spring ever, amen? So we gotta be excited for the sun and go, go to the lake or do whatever, but I'm just grateful summer has finally arrived, amen? We're here. And so, uh, yeah, one, yeah. Just getting so Pentecostal in here, let's go. But uh, I, get the, I get the awesome opportunity and privilege of landing, our, landing the plane of our series, Faith Under Pressure. And I just love getting into God's word together. You know, as we land the plane on this series, we're gonna start a new series next week called Storyteller, talking about the stories that Jesus told. And I just think as the seasons change, I think when, when summer comes, it's great opportunity for us to say, what are some spiritual goals for me? What am I trying to learn in my faith this summer? What am I trying to grow in? Maybe that's prayer, the word of God, being outside in nature, experiencing God's glory. And then I think when fall comes, we, we have some different spiritual goals. How many know it's good to just kind of reflect on our life, see where we're at, and set goals in the midst of that. Amen? So I think this summer, let's just, let's make it a priority to say we're going to be in God's house when we're not traveling around. We're going to be here. We're going to be growing, seeing what God has for us, and just believe that the guest speakers we're going to have, Pastor Ray, Pastor Daniel, myself, just believe God's going to do a great thing in our church. Amen? So would you stand to your feet one more time? I know you're up and down, up and down, but sorry, not sorry. I won't make you stand up for a while anyway. But a three-hour message today, and then we'll... Um, you get to stand up again, no. Here's where I'm gonna go today. Uh, I'm gonna read two verses from Revelation chapter one to kind of conclude some thoughts. Uh, I'm actually gonna end in James. I'm gonna end talking out of James chapter one, so if you're folk that like to move in your Bible back and forth, you can get your Bible prepared um, for that. We're gonna talk with the theme, Faith Under Pressure, uh, this morning. Revelation chapter one, verse nine, it says this, I, John... Your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and I will send it to the seven churches. And these are the ones we study, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Leo. So Lord, as we go before your word this morning, may it speak to us. Lord, we are, we are so grateful we get to gather in a space like this. Our, our brothers and sisters all around the world, many of them are not able to gather and worship you in contexts like this. And so, Lord, we just give you praise this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, that you've given us the word of God. And Lord, we, we pray that we would be attuned to the teacher this morning that is not me. The teacher this morning is the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, speak through us, to us, through your word, that we would be people of hope. And in the landscape of our world and the city you've called us to and the culture that we live in, we are called to be the presence of Christ everywhere we go. So may we be shaped in these times so that as you send us out, we'd be who you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated, please. Where, where are all the sports fans at? Let me just see a few here. I know that uh, many of us love watching sports. I grew up watching sports. I love sports. I played sports. Uh, big Seattle fan. I'm like, I just, I love sports. I, I was thinking about this idea of pressure, and my mind immediately went to the end of a game, you know? Like this, the end of a fourth quarter with a few seconds left, or the end of a 
of a baseball game in the ninth inning, like my mind began to think about those moments of, of pressure. You, you've been to games before, right? Where all of a sudden it's like everything hinges on what's about to happen, right? Are you with me this morning? Like for example, 1995, I, I think there's some of us that will know this. 1995, Edgar Martinez is up at the plate. Are you with me? And uh, here comes the pitch, and he hits it down the left field line for a base hit, and I'm not going to do the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, Ken Griffey Jr., they send him home. And what does Dave Niehaus say? My, oh, my, right? This is like moment of pressure. Someone comes up clutch. Uh, here, here's another moment of pressure for us sports fans. I think it was 2014, the Seahawks, I believe, were playing the Patriots, if I remember right. And we're on the one-yard line. Yes, I'm going to get the Kleenexes because some of you are weeping already. And, uh, and you should have just thrown the ball or you should have just passed the ball or whatever. She should have ran the ball. That's what I'm trying to. I'm so mad I can't even say it anymore, right? <laughs> We're on the one yard line. We've got Marshawn Lynch and we throw the ball. Come on, right? But at the end of the day, here, here's the thing. A moment of pressure. Like, Everything hinged on that moment. I'm sure you can remember. I can remember exactly where I was when that happened. Like, end of a game, these things kind of happen. It's just what it is. At end of sports games, you can think of Billy Buckner, like, ball underneath his legs. Like, all these things. These moments that happen where it's, like, clutch or you just kind of let it down. Like, moments of pressure where all of a sudden you can rise to the occasion and you can, like, you think of Kobe, you think of LeBron, you think of all these people that rise to the occasion, or all of a sudden, moment of pressure, and they, they crumble. They don't come up clutch. And I was thinking about pressure because I think our faith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition it here. I think our faith is similar in some ways. I think sometimes our faith in our lives, it does feel a lot like the end of a game. Like when you think about all the stuff that happens in your family, in your, in your workplace, and the things that come at your faith, uh, it, it can feel like pressure. And I think this is the opportunity as we look at John this morning talking to the churches, the seven churches in Revelation, as we conclude the series, I feel like this is the option that we have as followers of Jesus. I think we're gonna learn that we can either be people that when pressure comes, we thrive under pressure. Like we, we take pressure, I believe it can be a good thing for our lives and it can shape us to be more like Jesus and it can shape us to be the presence of Christ in the places we go. We can thrive and have faith, everyone say faith, faith under pressure or fear and crumble under pressure. I believe this is the, the options that God gives us. And I feel like this is what we can learn through, through John. This is what he said. He, he, he starts off saying, John, your brother and companion in the suffering, the kingdom, endurance that is ours in Jesus. John, the writer of Revelation, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he understood pressure. In fact, he had so much pressure on his life. He was persecuted so much to the extent that he was sent to the island of Patmos, this little island, and really it was for solitary confinement because he was so on fire for Jesus. He had so much pressure coming at him, but he wasn't someone that crumbled. He was someone that had faith. And so much so they said, we don't know what to do with him. Let's send him to Patmos. Faith under pressure. This faith under pressure was experienced as we read in the seven churches in this Greco-Roman era in the early church. Uh, here's some of the things we talked about. Let me just do a quick review of these, of these seven churches. The pressure that was on the church. In Ephesus, this was the pressure for them to leave their first love. This is the first church we talked about. The, the, the moments of, of pressure that the culture was, was coming in on them was they decided to leave their first love that was Jesus and go to the love of other things in the culture. How many know this is still a temptation for us this morning? 
Can I just remind you, and I just, I just needed this reminder this week, and so if this is just for me, it's for me. When you put first love first, everything else in your life gets better. In other words, your marriage gets better when you love Jesus before loving your spouse. Amen? <laughs> like, your, your relationships get better when your first love is Jesus, and if your first love is Jesus, all of a sudden your relationships get stronger, you're a better employee, you're a better follower of Jesus, and so this was what the pressure of the church in Ephesus had, was the pressure to leave their first love. We talked about Smyrna, this is the pressure of persecution. It says this in Revelation chapter two, verse 10, don't be afraid for what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Smyrna had this pressure of persecution on them. They were so on fire for Jesus, persecution came. We talked about Pergamum. It was, this was the pressure to compromise. I don't have time to unpack all these. You can go back and you can watch on YouTube to see if you remember, but the Pergamum talked about this teaching of Balaam and it talked about this teaching of the Nicolaitans, which was just the idea that in the midst of Jesus thinking, in the midst of following Jesus, it's so easy to compromise and to go into the things of culture, the idols of culture. Can I just remind us just real briefly, I wish I could spend more time on this, but when it comes to compromise, it always starts little, doesn't it? Never, you, most of the time, we never just go say, I'm gonna make a really bad decision. Or most of the time, we don't just say, I'm gonna leave my faith or I'm gonna run from the church. Compromise usually starts with little decisions, little moments of drifting, a day out of the word here, a day out of the word there that leads into a week, leads into a month. How many know what I'm talking about, right? It's the little compromises, but this was the pressure that was on Pergamum, and they ended up compromising and taking the ideologies of the day over the kingdom of God. We talked about the church in Thyatira, this was the pressure that was on the church to tolerate sin in idols. It says this in Revelation chapter two, verse 20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual morality and eating food sacrificed to idols. In Thyatira, it was the pressure to make sin normal, to make sin okay, to make brokenness just okay. How many of you know we, we as followers of Jesus, conviction's an important thing in our life. We're supposed to feel at times when things are wrong and we're supposed to repent. And this was the pressure in Thyatira was that they said, we're not gonna make it a big deal. We're just gonna go along with the culture and sin entered into the church. Sardis, this is the one, if I'm gonna be honest, I feel like the church in America, we're probably most guilty of, but that's Taylor Ford's opinion. Sardis is the pressure to stay superficial. This is what it says in Revelation chapter three. Wake up, everyone say, wake up. Strengthen what remains. It's about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what time I will come to you. The church in Sardis had this Christian veneer. They looked like they had it all together. The church looked like it was alive. It looked like there were great things happening. But on the inside, the people of Sardis were empty. They didn't have that abiding relationship with Jesus. And the church in Philadelphia, this is the one that, uh, one of the ones anyway, maybe out of two, that, that Jesus really affirms. He says, you guys remain faithful under pressure. And they were told to hold on in the midst of pressure. They remain faithful. If I had, if I had a prayer for Calvary Community Church this morning in this message, it would be that we would be known as the church in like Philadelphia. That when pressures come at us, we just continue to stay, we continue to stay faithful. I love what it says in Revelation chapter three. It says, hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I'll make him a pillar. Catch that 
I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. When pressure comes at you and at me, I pray our first response would be, I wanna be a pillar in the house of God. I'm not gonna allow pressures to have me retreat or resort, but I'm gonna lean into the house of God to be a part of God's people, to remain faithful and to lean on to one another in the midst of pressure. And then this is the last church, the church in Laodicea is the pressure to remain lukewarm. The pressure to remain lukewarm. If you missed last week, we had a great service. Pastor Ray led us through communion and just awesome times of reflection. But this is what Revelation 3.16 says. So because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. With Jesus, he just wants you to go all in or not. Are you gonna be all in or are you not? I think at the end of the day, we're, we're like going into one of those pools. We put a foot in, we're like, way too cold, I don't wanna do it. Jesus is like, I want you to just to go all in to my faith. So this, these seven churches that we talked about, we talked about John. John understood the pressure. He experienced pressure himself. And as he wrote to these seven churches inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's writing to them saying, hey, I get that you understand pressure personally because I've been there. Now here's some encouragements in the midst of the different pressures that you're feeling in your life. And let's just be honest, we still feel pressure today, don't we? In our life, in our faith, in our church, in our relationships. How about this in, in today? Pressure for us to, to compromise biblical values. How many know there's a pressure on us to to compromise the things that we hold so absolute in our lives, to compromise them. How about this? A compromise to just go with the status quo. Just kind of go along, just kind of exist, or maybe to be superficial or two-faced or to be spiritually dead. The pressure, just like one of the churches in Revelation, to not think of sin as a big deal, to kind of make sin normal and not hate sin, to maybe allow idols in our lives. This is allowing the lowercase g gods to take that first place in our lives that should be only for Yahweh, God alone for us in our lives. And we face not only those, you face and I face personal pressures, pressures of trials, those, those phone calls that you get, someone's sick in the hospital, those phone calls you get when uh, a friend is mad at you, those phone calls you get when disunity comes into your family, those moments of disagreements in the body of Christ, these are trials. Those moments when you're not sure how you're gonna pay the next bill because finances are so tight, pressures. Those cultural attacks that come on our life and our family units. The pressure that's on your marriage. Maybe you're here this morning and your marriage just feels pressurized. It feels, it feels a lot right now. Maybe there's an addiction you're caught in. Here's, here's the point this morning. Just like John experienced pressure, just like these seven churches experienced pressure, we feel pressure. And it feels a lot like one of those pressure cookers. You guys have those in your kitchen? Like the first time, like you put everything in there and the first time I used it and you have to like turn the flap for the pressure to be released, I thought it was gonna go through the roof, right? You're like, oh my gosh. But this is what life feels like sometimes. Like it feels pressurized for us. So what do we do? I mean, it's easy to look at the churches in Revelation and it's easy to kind of all agree. I'm sure that if we were to pass the mic and to some degree, all of us have experienced some sort of pressure in our lives, a trial, a tribulation, or maybe even this morning, you're going through one of those this morning. So what do we do? Do we complain? Oh, it's easy to complain, isn't it? I've been there. Do we worry? Do we back down? Do we retreat? Do we try to get back to whatever life used to be, like the good old times, whatever that even means. We just create experiences to make us uncomfortable. Now, I don't think we do any of those things. 
I think if, if, if faith under pressure, you can choose to do those things. I don't believe your faith will flourish though. But I do believe there is a way for your faith to thrive. And I wanna show you through James how this can happen. I could have used so many different examples in the Bible of biblical people who experienced pressure. I could have used people of Israel, Moses and Joshua, David, Ruth. I could have used the disciples. I could have talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just because those are fun names to say. But I wanna talk about James this morning. I wanna talk about how you can thrive under pressure. I believe through James chapter one, verses two through seven, he gives us a blueprint how you and I, as followers of Jesus, can thrive. James is the brother of Jesus, so he had firsthand account with Jesus, and he was the leader of the first church in Jerusalem who experienced much pressure themselves. So how do we thrive? How do we thrive under pressure? Are you with me? Are you ready? Number one is this. I think this side is with me. I'm not sure about this side yet, but here we are. Number one is this. How do we experience, how do we thrive? It's number one, joy in his presence. You can thrive when your faith hits pressure, when you experience the joy in his presence. I love what it says, James chapter one, verse two. Just catch this this morning. I consider it pure joy, pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now last night I was like, when I was speaking, I couldn't remember the word, so I had to go and look it up this morning. But this statement kind of feels like this word, oxymoron. Have you heard this before? where contradictory terms seem to be in conjunction. Like, have joy in the midst of trials of many kinds. What is joy this morning? If, I'm gonna, if I were to be honest with you, I feel like sometimes in the church, we downplay joy. We downplay joy. We kind of just say, oh, joy is just this, joy is just that. But let me just tell you this morning, I believe John Piper has a great definition of joy. It's this, Christian joy, it's a good feeling in the soul. Listen to this. A good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as it causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Just listen to this again. It's a good feeling in the soul. I think sometimes we forgot that joy actually is an emotion. And we've allowed so many negative emotions to lead our lives that I think we're so scared of emotions. I think we're scared that there might be some positive emotions. Can I tell you, joy is, is inspired and a good feeling in the soul because it's produced by the Spirit. It's one of the fruits of the Spirits in our lives. I didn't share this in any other service, so if this doesn't make sense, then I'm sorry. Um, could you imagine if, if all of a sudden like you were camping? I'm not a big camper, but if you're a camper, any campers out there? Okay, yeah, you're not my people. But, um, <laughs> and, but like, you imagine going camping and all of a sudden, like I don't think this happens, but let's say there's like a bear Outside of, your, outside of your tent. Now, I think in that moment, you would have some emotions that would arise, right? And it'd be like, this is not a good thing. This is scary. I need to protect myself. How many know those would be really good emotions for you to feel in that moment, right? If all of a sudden you're like, I'm gonna conquer this bear. It's not even, it's like, no, 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 there's no way, right? These are good emotions in our lives. Joy is supposed to be one of those in the positive sense. Is this making sense? Like, you shouldn't have to think about joy. Like, as a follower of Jesus, this should just be who we are. This should be who we are as followers of Jesus, that we abide in Christ so much that the joy, this good feeling in the soul, it comes out of us because the Holy Spirit's in us. And then this is what joy does, as John Piper. It gives us different eyes to see the wonder of Jesus in the scriptures and in creation. May you experience the joy of the Lord this summer. 
We live in one of the most beautiful places in the world for three months when it doesn't rain. May, may we just say, Holy Spirit, give us the joy of the Lord to see that this is your creation. No more complaining, church. No more, no more going through the motions. No more just, this is bad and this is bad and this is bad. This is what's so different about joy than happiness. Because happiness, catch this, is so dependent on your happenings. Happen, happiness is so dependent on your happenings. But joy is so different. Joy, joy is fixated on Jesus. And if it's fixated on Jesus and it's the spirit of God in us, our happenings will change. The world continues to shake. The Bible says that the world is gonna shake and shake and shake until eventually it shakes and Jesus comes back enough for us. So in our happenings, it's not gonna, we're not gonna be very happy. But in the joy of the Lord, if, if our emotion is rooted in the joy of the Lord, this is the Jesus who's the same yesterday, today and forever. This is the same Jesus who created you and created me and gave us a new life and new salvation. This is the joy that is rooted in Christ. It says that he is our anchor for the soul. How many know that's a safe place to put your joy this morning? We can consider it pure joy in his presence. Oh, it's a feeling. Joy is a feeling. And we ought to, we ought to feel the emotion of joy. We ought to be known as people that are joy bringers. People that bring joy every place we go, I love what it says in Psalms chapter 51. Oh, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Like, you remember that time when you met Jesus for the first time or you recommitted your life and you were just like, experienced so much joy in that moment. Like, Lord, restore that in us every day. Restore us to be the types of people that understand the cross at Calvary. This is what's so beautiful about joy. What's so beautiful about joy is you can have grief and sorrow and sadness and also experience joy. Like think about the cross for a second. Think about Jesus on the cross. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. Jesus came, he took your place and my place on the cross and exchanged his life for our life so we could have life now and life eternal. And this is what it says about this moment on the cross. Jesus says in Hebrews, it says that he went for the joy set before him, catch that, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So you can simultaneously grieve, and be sorrow and be sad about circumstances. Oh, but have the sweetness of joy in your life. Is this making any sense this morning? Oh, the joy of the Lord that's our strength. The joy of the Lord that is in Psalm 1611, it's gonna be on the screen that says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's what? Fullness of joy. This, this idea of joy and fullness and completion. John 15 says, if you abide in me, this is Jesus and he abides in us and we're connected to the vine. All of a sudden, these, these fruits come out of our lives and one of them is joy. And the Bible says that this sort of a joy is a completion of joy. It just completes our spiritual life and we have the joy. C.S. Lewis says, it's the serious business of heaven is joy. How do you thrive under pressure? Joy. Joy in his presence. So that he is with you and he's for you and he is gonna guide you with this presence. Number two is this, how do you thrive under pressure? It's honest perspective. You thrive under pressure with honest perspective. James 1 and verse two in the message verse, I'm gonna read the message, it's a paraphrase of the Bible, it says this, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Because catch this, you know that under pressure, everyone say under pressure, under pressure, your faith life 
is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. Do you see that? Can I propose maybe another oxymoron to you this morning? What if, what if the pressure that comes at your life was actually a gift? What if the things that squeeze us and like put pressure on us is actually a gift because it actually what it does is it, is it brings out your true colors. Stuff that was under the surface that when things are good, you don't deal with. But then all of a sudden pressure comes. We've all been there. And all of a sudden it's like, did that just come out of me? <laughs> is that what, how I really thought about that? Is that what I, how I really talk? All this, have you been there before or am I just being honest in front of a lot of people? <laughs> Man, pressure comes and it like reveals our true colors. What if we saw that and had honest perspective about it and we just said, you know what? This is a great opportunity for me to be real before Jesus. I had a mentor tell me one time, he said, Taylor, what you, what you try and cover, God's gonna uncover because he loves us that much. He hates when we live in the dark. He's gonna bring things to the light. But the other is true as well. What you uncover, God will cover. This is honest perspective. When we're squeezed and pressure comes, things come to the light. Let's have the perspective to say, this is actually as difficult as it is. This is actually a gift because I get to become who God wants me to be. And this leads me to number three. How do you thrive with faith under pressure? You realize all these things I've talked about because you gain perseverance with a purpose. You gain perseverance with a purpose. I love what it says in verse, chap, in verse three of chapter one of James. And you can go back and read this later. It's just James one, two through seven. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith, it produces something. It produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many want that in their lives? I do. I want to be known as a person, just like the church in Philadelphia, I want to be known as a person that stuck with it in the midst of trials and testing. That I, I know that I have perseverance for the purpose. I know that I'm not doing this just for the sake of doing it, but God is putting me through these things or I'm in this situation that has a bit of pressure because it's actually producing something in me. There's a reason behind it. There's a purpose behind it. I believe you can do anything in life if you know the why behind it. If you know the purpose behind it. I believe this. Uh, a number of, of years ago, five or six years ago, uh, I ran a, a half marathon. And if I was gonna do it again, I'd have to do a lot of prayer and fasting and discernment and then do some more prayer and fasting and discernment and then still probably not do it, right? It's just like, like God, you want me to do it? Okay, yeah, I heard you say no, so I'm not gonna do it. But it was, it was a lot. And maybe one day, with enough encouragement, I might end up doing it again. It'd be fun to, I don't know if it'd be fun, that's the wrong word. It would be an experience to run a marathon and do all that. But these are just, just things. But I, I remember training for it. And I remember my friend telling me, hey, when you get to about mile 10, you're gonna hit, you're gonna hit a threshold in your mind. You're gonna hit mile 10 and your body's gonna say, you can't do this anymore. And you can't go anymore. And he said, when you hit that, you just gotta know that your body's a lot stronger than what your mind is saying. How many know God made our bodies pretty incredible, what we can do, right? And so I, I ended up, you know, pushing through it and I got to mile 10 and I was like, okay, he told me this is gonna happen. So I pushed through it, like everything within me wanted to do at Subway or something, right? Like I'm done, but push through. 
And the same is true with our spiritual life. Like, you, you've got to learn some perseverance. And perseverance, you've got to know, this is where the perseverance with the purpose comes through. Because you, you have to know, you're gonna, there's going to be moments of threshold in your life. There's gonna be moments where the, the pressure and the things are gonna come on you that are so hard, so difficult, you can't even comprehend it. But at the end of the day, I think you just have to get to the place of saying, okay, God, I know that you're doing this and I need to learn to persevere. I know that you're here. This is perseverance with a purpose. How many know if it's God that's with you, you can do anything with God on your side. If you got the strength of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can persevere through these things. Perseverance, catch this this morning. Perseverance, it isn't just you saying, mustering up the energy to say, I'm not gonna quit. Perseverance is a choice to allow God to sharpen and to allow God to strengthen you and to allow God to refine you and to be more attention and more detailed to the things of holiness than the things of this world. This is what perseverance is. It's not just saying, I'm not gonna quit. It's saying, I'm gonna be really intentional about how I live. It refines us. How many know that diamonds and gold that's refined in the heat, beautiful things come from pressure. If we keep going, if we trust God in the midst of it, don't grow weary this morning in doing good because at the right time, you're gonna reap a harvest. Learn the lessons you need to le- learn. Keep leaning into God. Keep persevering. When, when you're squeezed, when you're squeezed and the things that you don't like come out of you, may you just know God's refining me. God's strengthening me. I have perseverance with a purpose. I know that God's, God's putting me through this because he's got something he wants me to do on the other side of this that's gonna impact and it's gonna love and it's gonna care for other people. How many know sometimes the greatest hurt, the greatest misery, the greatest pain, the greatest pressure, God can turn it all around because he can work all things together for those who love him and use us to turn around and help the same people that are through those same pressures at the other side of it. How many know this is just what our God does? It's what our God does. And I just feel so compelled in my spirit to say this morning, if you're feeling faith under pressure, if you're feeling pressure today, don't give up too soon. Don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. Man, God's not done with you yet. God hasn't forgotten about you yet. He's in your corner. He's on your side. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with you. And I think this leads me to the last thing of how we thrive under pressure. Joy in his presence and have an honest perspective and knowing that this perseverance, it does have a purpose. It's, it's growing me. It's making me complete. It's making me more like the person of Jesus so that I can be a blessing to other people. And last thing is just, how do you thrive under pressure? I think you it just simply, you gotta be a person of prayer. You have to be a person of prayer. James 1, 5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, this is for someone this morning, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. But catch this, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Don't you love how direct James is? There's a reason why this series was called Faith Under Pressure. Because there's a lot of words we could have put before under pressure. And the question this morning is, when pressure comes, are you gonna go into fear or into faith? I believe when we choose faith under pressure, One of the ways that we combat fear is by being people of prayer. I love what James says. He says, if you lack wisdom, if you need anything from God, you just need to ask boldly and God will hear. 
But don't ask, don't ask just like with like a half confidence. No, you need to ask boldly. Don't you love that the scriptures say that we can go before the throne room of God with boldness? Don't you love that the scriptures say that we can ask anything to God and he'll hear us? Let me tell you this morning, God always answers our prayers every single time. And he answers it in one of three ways. He'll say yes. Don't you love when he says yes? (laughs) He'll say no. Yep, that is not what you need right now. (laughs) Or he'll say maybe later. But we gotta be people in the midst of pressure. We gotta be people of prayer. Prayer can be all shapes and sizes. Prayer doesn't just have to be what you do for an hour and 10 minutes on a Sunday morning in this room. Prayer's in your car. Prayer's that, that moment you take just to take a, a step before you go into a hard meeting and you say, God, this is gonna be a tough meeting. This is gonna be a tough conversation. I need you in this moment. The pressure is hit. I'm just gonna take a moment of prayer. What if that was our rhythm? Like, Feel the pressure, retreat to prayer, engage with passion. (laughs) What if it was like, feel the pressure, retreat to prayer, engage with confidence? What if this was just our rhythm? We've gotta be willing to pray bold prayers. And how does God meet us in pressure? When we pray. I've learned the hard way. I've learned the hard way that sometimes God will let me go through things. (laughs) He's just waiting for me to ask him for help. He does. And if I could just encourage you this summer, take a few moments, take an hour or two, take a day and just go, go journal some prayers. Be honest with God. God, this is what I'm feeling. This is the pressures that have hit my life. This is the fear I have. And we just be honest. I believe this God meets us where we're at in these, in these moments of pressure and prayer. Joy, perspective, perseverance, in prayer. I've really enjoyed these churches in Pergamum, learning about them. How about you? I think it's one of those things that I haven't necessarily studied a lot in my life. So I was really grateful that we got to do this as a church. I want to end this series, though, asking one more question. We're going to put up on the screens. If Jesus were to write a letter to the church in Sumner, what would he write? Most of these churches, he gave a, an encouragement. He gave a correction. He gave a kind of a way forward. This is what you should do. If he were to write a letter to your life, what would he write? I hope for me, and, and see, when I say church and Sumner, I don't mean just like Calvary, the organization of Calvary. I mean like you and me as like the body of Christ. Like if you were to write a letter to us, what would he say? I hope my letter that Jesus would write me, and believe me, I'm not perfect. I hope what God would write to me would say, Taylor, you're like the Church of Philadelphia. You're made planted in the midst of pressure. It haunts me to say that God would ever say that I was someone like the church in Ephesus or the church in Sardis. You left your first love or you you became apathetic and, and you were superficial and all those things. I just wanna be who God's calling me to be. And how about you? Let's take some time to think about this week and just to have honest reflection. How many know, just like we talked about, we gotta be honest and let the true colors come out and say, God, this is the stuff I need your help with. Faith under pressure. Maybe so that we're known as a church that just thrives under pressure. Because let me tell you, it's not gonna get any easier, my friends. <laughs> it isn't. To be, to be Jesus people in our culture. I know this doesn't sound encouraging. Like Taylor, this is not a very encouraging way to end the message. Oh, but uh, we're up for it, aren't we? 
Isn't our message way too important? Isn't our gospel way too compelling? Isn't our gospel way too, way too important that in the midst of a bunch of bad news, there's a bunch of Jesus people that stand up in the midst of pressure and say, oh, but we've got some good news for you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so in us. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this church. With no one looking around this morning, just, just you and God, if you're here and you're experiencing some sort of a pressure in your life, a trial, a tribulation, a sickness, business, financial, whatever it is, I just wanna say a blessing and a prayer over you. If you'd be so bold enough just to say, Taylor, that's me, I'm feeling a pressure. Sure, I see your hand. and Yeah, yours, yours, yours. Yeah, absolutely. So many, you're not alone this morning, church. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for your promise that meets us, that all of your promises are yes and amen in Christ. I pray your promise of peace over all these friends. When pressure comes, anxiety hits. We feel anxious, we feel worried and fear-filled. I pray in those moments that they could be honest with those emotions and they could come before you in prayer. So I pray the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I pray that these friends that are experiencing pressure would come before your presence where we can find this fullness of joy in the midst of it all. May we be found faithful, may we be planted in the house of God. I pray even right now, Lord, for marriages that are under pressure. I pray that this, whatever the mountain is in front of them, would actually be something that makes them stronger because they choose to go side by side together and climb the mountain together with your strength and not separate them. Build strong marriages under pressure, I pray, God. I pray for businesses in the midst of the financial and economic craziness we find ourselves in. Those that are business leaders in this room this morning, I pray discernment over them. I pray you would help us continue to be godly business leaders. Be people that put people first and love others and have character. And when pressure hits, Lord, it can be easy to be tempted to do other things, but I pray just a, a, a provision of character and wisdom over the business leaders in this house. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. We end just by worshiping you and standing in your presence because, Lord, that's where we want to experience this joy this morning. We love you in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Would you stand, let's sing this together as we close.